people to experience who Christ is. We want people not only to experience him, but to have a vibrant relationship with him. And in order for us to do that, we have to be able to maneuver as a church and operate in a way that lives begin to change in our church, in our church and then through our community and hopefully throughout the world. Can I share with you how we're going to do that? Love your assignment. Woo! Jeez, wow. <laughs> we're going to share with you four ways on how we're going to do that. Um, the first way we're going to share with, you, share with that is we're going to look at Exodus 18, 24 through 26. We're going to talk about envisioning the structure. We have to see that there has to be some kind of structure we have as a church in order to be able to do things. We have to have a structure so that we can move forward, and we're going to share with you that structure right now. Exodus 18, 24 through 26 reads like this. Moses listened to his father-in-law's advice and followed his suggestions. He chose capable men from all over Israel and appointed them as leaders over the people. He put them in charge of groups of 1,000, of 150, and 10. These men were always available to solve the people's common disputes. They brought the major cases to Moses, but they took care of the smaller matters themselves. So let me give you, let me kind of help you help you understand what's going on. Moses is over uh, the children of Israel. He's leading, he's teaching them. Um, they're bringing to him their issues every single day, and he's handling those issues, whether it's, you know, somebody stepped on my toe, should I punch him, or somebody has, has committed some great murder and atrocity. And so he's handling it from top to bottom. His father-in-law comes in and says, listen, you are judging and dealing with the people's issues from top to bottom. It's not good. It's not healthy. It's taking too much of your time. We need to have you figure out how you're going to be the best leader you can possibly be and allow this whole congregation of people to be able to exist without depending on every single thing you do. You guys are with me? And so what Moses says and what his father-in-law says is, I want you to take several leaders. I want you to put them in charge, in charge of groups of people of 50, 1,000, 110, whatever it is. Put those people in place so that you can lead at a different level and that those people that are over other people can lead at a different level. And that way we can move forward so that you can focus on the big picture things we need to focus on. And so our church has been elder-led elder led, and has been elder-run, but we have been dealing with, as elders, everything from what color toilet paper should we use? <laughs> Blue, right. And is the toilet paper supposed to face this way or that way? It's the greatest question of man's life. And so we're dealing with all of these questions, all of these concerns, and quite frankly, it becomes taxing because as elders and leaders, we're supposed to be focusing on the spiritual things that we need to do, not the issue of should we invest 10 more cents in, in Plato. Like, that's not what we got to do. And so what we've done here is that we're building up and we've, we've come up with a leadership organizational flow chart, um, something a little bit different. If you look in your programs, you'll see that there's an organizational chart. Um, the way that runs, and I'm not going to go through every single aspect, but we have our elders, we have the pastor, we have um, our administrative uh, assistant there, our church administrator. Um, we have our something brand new that we haven't had before, which are deacons. Um, the church is supposed to operate with deacons. It is a position where we have leaders that are going to help out and serve, and their specific function is to serve in the church. Um, we're moving to a season where our elders are, are looking for and seeking for, we're asking for our church members to help find people that have these, these uh, qualifications of a deacon. We're going to look at them. We're going to start working with them. We're not going to plant them and stick them with labels on their head and say these are deacons automatically. We're going to say we're working with and training and getting these people in position to be the deacons of our church, to serve and meet the needs of our church. It's something that's scriptural. It's a scriptural position that we're looking to fill. You guys with me? All right, great. Amen. There's one clap. Awesome. <clears throat> 
We're also getting ready to bring on Marty Mikowski, who's going to be our executive director. He's not here this week because he had to go out of town. He already had something planned a few months ago, but he'll be here next week. He's going to be our executive director. He's going to be someone that's helping us kind of guide this ship and move together. Marty's been here for the last couple months since I've been here. You've seen him. He's about eight feet tall and needs sun really, really bad. He needs a lot of sun. Glasses, eight feet tall. You guys have seen them before, and they'll be with us. Marty and Connie will be with us next week. Um, he'll be help kind, kind of guiding the ship with us as we maneuver and do. Um, you see that there's several buckets there. We have several people that are over different ministries. We have um, John Mooring over there. Hey, John, how are you? Awesome. He's doing our, um, he's over everything as far as our weekend experience. We want our weekend experience, our Sunday morning experience to be life-changing. We want our Sunday morning experience to be something that touches and resonates. As we grow, we want you to come in and feel like the welcome people met you, and you felt like you met Jesus from the welcome people. You didn't even get to the worship yet. You felt welcome. If you didn't feel it today, we're working on it. Just hang in there. But <laughs> hopefully you did. And as we're building that welcome team up, you're experiencing uh, love, joy, some excitement through our welcome team. As we go from our welcome team to our worship, we're building, we're sharing, we're giving God's word, we're giving his spirit through the word. It's excellent all the time. Don't worry about it. And then um, <laughs> we finally wrap up our works, the things that we do in this church. From greeting you to a coffee team to working in children's ministry, we want you to have this amazing experience. So John's over that. Um, we have our uh, Marty, who's not here, will be kind of working with our finance team to make sure that we're just rolling and we have excellent people. Rick is, is killing it right now, and Pam, they're killing it with our finances. So we thank you for those who are doing with the counting. All those things are amazing. Um, Amanda will be over our church, excuse me, our outreach director, uh, outreach director, and all the things that we do as far as serving and helping people, the community. We're working on that. Jake, who's up here, who's reading scripture and then met with you guys, he'll be doing our discipleship, and he's over those men and women discipleships and those things. And then finally, our youth department. I'll be dealing with uh, Thrive, kind of heading that up with some people. And then we have uh, with Derek and some other folks. And then we have our uh, C kids, which is all of our ministries that we're dealing with our younger kids. Our goal <clears throat> is that we are working from top to bottom to be an amazing, authentic church that is in decency and in order, lined up with Scripture, that we are changing and impacting lives. <laughs> and so... When you come into CPKI, you should not only experience Jesus, you should not only experience the power of God, but you should be able to walk out of here and say, my church is awesome, and we do a lot of things, and we don't do everything right, because nobody's perfect, but we're striving to be perfect. And this, ooh, and this is starting to get us in that posture, in that position. As we have these people that I mentioned that are over these various ministries that you see in your program, and as we add to our ministries, as we have somebody who wants to do something and we'll, as elders will talk about it, we'll discuss it, that's what elders should do. We should discuss what would be a great ministry, not how much toilet paper should be invested in that ministry. Um, as we talk about those things, as we work out those things and implant those new ministries, we're putting ministries in place to change the lives of people. We're putting ministries in place so that we can operate and maneuver as a church should move. We're setting up vision and purpose and structure so people can experience the power of God, the life-changing move of God through his order and through his structure. You guys with me? All right, that was pretty good. Let's go to the point number two. Acts 2, 24, I'm sorry, 42 through 47. We got a couple verses. We're going to kind of double-dutch back and forth between. Here's what we want to do. Um, our vision of the church. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the sharing and meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. All right, so we're going to stop right there. If you go to your 
little white paper that says our story and flip it over, you will see that our four, our three concepts are kind of laid out. It's uh, connecting the community, culture, commission. We want to start with our community. The church started in Acts 2. The church started, the New Testament church started in Acts 2. It's where the church grew, the church expanded, the church blew up. It's where church was, um, was experienced. It's where this group of believers came together and where life took place. It's where life took place to a point where lives were literally changed. It's where life took place where people were experiencing God's power and his authority and who he was. It says in Acts 2, 42, it says, all the believers devoted themselves to the teaching of God's word or the, or the apostles' teaching. Um, they, they hung out together. They had fellowship. They shared meals. Man, we love to share meals, including the Lord's Supper. And they prayed. And in doing this, it connected to this community where people started to grow. The church started to grow. Here, we are trying to be that community. And so one of the things we're going to tell you, if you want to experience community, if you want to experience who God is, if you want to experience what life is, then you've got to start coming to church on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, you got to start coming to church on a regular basis, not just because we want your money, not because we want, um, we want to see your face or we want to have a, this amazing high count of people that sat in the seat. We don't care about that. We want you to come to church on a regular basis because this is where life begins to change. This is where you start to experience God. This is where you start to know who God is in community. And the only way that you will be successful is in community. And so we are pushing the fact that we want you to be involved in community, not just on Sundays, but also during the week in life groups. We got men's life groups. We have women's life groups. We're going to continue to expand these life groups. We need you to be connected so that you can grow. The only way you will be successful in life is through a community of believers. <sighs> Very well. Um, not only is our vision for our church to be connected in community, but the next couple verses we have for you is right here in verse 43 through 45. This is all how the New Testament church came to exist. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. We want you to connect to the community. We want to help you through connecting to the community. Cultivate your walk. That's on your little brochure. Where look how beautiful this is. And it cultivates your walk. It says we start to cultivate our, work in, our walk in community because we start loving God back. We start understanding who he is. After you start reading those, those scriptures, hanging around in a life group, talking and praying with each other, sharing the word of God, you have no choice but to start to experience him. You start to find this love that you give back to God and God gives to you and your heart, your mind, your soul all becomes connected to him. You can't help but become connected to him to a point where you can't start but to help to love other people. Like, after a while, God's love is so great that I have to start sharing it with other people. I have to reach over to you and talk to you and pray with you. After service, I don't sit here and talk to people because I'm trying to build up a popularity contest. I legitimately care about who you are and what's going on in your life. And when I get finished talking to you, I move on to the next person. I say, hey, how you doing? And it's not because I'm a paid pastor or a paid professional. It's because I legitimately care. And when I first started going to church, before I first started with all these titles and positions, I came to church, I got my message, and I got out of there. I came to church, I got my message, the kids were safe, I got my Jesus fixed, and I shot out of there. 
And after a while, I started coming to church, and I would sit down and say, hey, how are you doing? What's going on with your life? And somebody would ask me how I'm doing in my life, and I would say, my life sucks right now. And they would say, hey, well, let's pray real quick. And I would say, I don't really do the whole prayer thing. And they say, we're going to pray anyway. And I don't you just be quiet. I'll pray for you. Give me your hand. This is your guy. I feel weird. And so we're praying together, rolling hands. And, like, this whole thing started to a point where after a while, I would run up to people and say, hey, what's going on with you? How's your life going? Oh, life is kind of tough. Well, let's pray about it. And I don't really pray. Shut up. Hold your hand. I'm married. Me too. We're not doing anything. Just I'll hold a finger in here. And we do this thing, and all of a sudden, this life starts to happen, and this love starts to happen. And it's because if you start having this connection with Christ to a point where you are in fellowship with community, you can't help but start to cultivate your walk where you start to grow, where you start to love God back, where you start to love others. It says in that passage of Scripture, they were so in love with connection and fellowship that they sold everything. They had to give to meet the needs of people. When you love other people, when you're in community with church, you can't help but love other people. It says they loved and they learned. And finally, they worshiped God together. They spent time with God. They witnessed who God was and they experienced what they witnessed. Us as a church is not to be here so that you can get your Jesus fix on Sunday and check it off in the box. If that's your, your vision of church, it's wrong. And if you don't have time for church, this is probably not the church for you. And I'm not saying I'm kicking folk out. I'm just saying we're, our expectation is that you experience God on a higher level. And so we're going to press you to experience God on a higher level. Our job, our goal here is to make sure that you cultivate a walk that you look like, you sound like, you feel like, and you are to some extent a huge duplication and authentic touch of Jesus. That's our goal. It says finally... Um, not only are we here to uh, have you connect to community, cultivate your walk, but finally, number three in this verse that we're going to read here, verses uh, 46 through 47, and our vision for the church reads like this. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in home for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. The Lord added to their fellowship each day. He added to their fellowship not because they were flashy, not because they had new logos, not because they had this brand new design. He added to the church consistently. He brought this uh, connection with them because they were faithful to God, because they loved God, because they were in community and they cultivated their walk and they did it to a point where their lives were able to look like the Great Commission, the commission where God sends us out to reach and touch the lives of other people. Our church is going to be a church that changes the lives of people because we as a body are committed to who God is. We as a body of church are dedicated to being faithful and doing his will. We're dedicated and faithful to helping and loving other people. And the Great Commission will be fulfilled. What is the Great Commission? I'm glad you asked. I'm not going to give you all that scripture. It's in Matthew 28, starting in verse 18, 19. 20. Just read through it. You guys taking notes? You got pens? Matthew 28. 18, 19, 20. It's a great commission to share the gospel at home a little bit further and further out. All of the world, all of the land, sharing God's truth, helping people become disciples of Jesus Christ, helping them follow and fall in love with him. The great commission is that we have that in our church. We want you to be a part of the weekend experience. Just in your little brochure over there. Just read through. You'll find it. Uh, living your commission. Uh, we want you to start helping and serving people in the church. Join a ministry be a part of it, be on the welcome team, 
open a door. How are you? You might be the only smile somebody's had all month. Smile. Couple muscles. Clench them teeth. Make it happen. A smile, a good morning, how are you? Welcome team, we got tons of kids. Can you help out in the nursery? Can you volunteer once a week? This is all part of that commission of helping people grow. I don't wanna watch somebody's little crumb snatcher. Guess what? You're the first introduction to Jesus they may get. Give them some Jesus. I don't know scripture, act like you know scripture. Just help us out for a little bit, we'll get you there. This is all part of that great commission. We also say our Great Commission is not only serving in our church, not only being a part of where we can help people and touch and change lives, but also what you do through the week. Lead a life group. We got a whole list of stuff. Help out on a missions trip. Most of you guys know we went on a missions trip to Puerto Rico. It's my daughter. What do you do? Anybody want a 13-year-old? Um, you guys got two. You want another one? New. No. Look at Mike. New. No. <laughs> Listen, we, had, we went on this mission trip to Puerto Rico. We were out there to uh, help and change lives. I brought the kids with us. Uh, three of our four kids went. Our older kids went. They were able to fix houses. They were able to, to cut holes in walls and put plugs in and, and fix roofs. And they cleaned and they, they handed out food and baskets and all kinds of stuff to the homeless. And their lives have been impacted from that. Their lives were changed. And we're talking at that time 9, 12, and a 13-year-old. And their lives were impacted by that. They don't know a whole lot of scripture, but they served and they helped. They don't speak Spanish. They couldn't do much, so some people would just shake their heads and nod and pass out a basket. And they say, oh, blah, blah, blah. They say all this stuff, and they just kind of sit there and be like, here you go. See, a lot of see. We did all of that stuff, and it was impacting, and it was life-changing, and they're nine. You're 39. 49, and we're asking you to be a part of serving in our missions. That's going to be one of our greatest prayers this next coming year, is that God would raise up people to go to these places and help serve. We found two churches in Puerto Rico that literally said to us, you don't have to spend any more money in a hotel next time. Come stay with us. We have showers. We have beds. We'll take care of you, and you come serve. That cuts our missions costs tremendously in room and board. And God is opening up these doors, and I want to make that available for us so that we can start changing the world. We want to impact and have the church grow, whether it's this local church or it's God's universal church. I've never had a problem saying with somebody, what church do you, do you go to or what church do you want to go to? And they say, oh, I'm not from around here. And I've told people, I've told people, I've told people, listen to me, I've told people, tell me what city you live in. Well, I'm just visiting for the holiday. It was an amazing message. I want to give my life to Christ. You do? What city do you live in? And I'll tell you, you tell me your city, I'll find you a church. And Rosie can tell you, I've spent hours online trying to find churches in somebody else's state that visited us for a weekend so that they could be connected to a church. I don't care if you're here. I would love for you to be here. Don't get me wrong. I'd love for you to be here. But I'm more concerned with you being plugged in with Jesus and being part of a community and a fellowship where you can grow and experience God. I have called people from Indiana and said, listen, what churches do you have in this city? Our goal is for people to be connected to an authentic relationship with God. And that means the great commission of plugging people in here or wherever it is that they can grow and be successful. Point number three. Our vision is not only for the church, but our vision in the community. 
Romans 2, 1 through 4 reads like this. You may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad, and you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself, for you who judge others do these very same things. And we know that God and his justice will punish anyone who does such things. Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Here are these people that have gotten Jesus. You know, they're real religified. They look really great. They've had this experience with God. They're saved, and they turn their noses up at everybody else that's living a life that's unsaved. And he comes to him and he says, listen, I'm glad that you think you experienced Jesus. I'm glad that you feel like you have a relationship with him. How dare you turn your nose up at somebody else? Don't you recognize that it's God's mercy and his grace and his kindness that brought you or led you back through his through repentance? It was through his grace and his love that brought you from sin. It's his grace and his love and his kindness that brings you back to God. He says, don't ever forget his grace. Don't ever forget his love. Don't ever forget his kindness that leads us to repentance. If we're going to be a church that experiences Christ, then you have to be willing to do things out of kindness and love and mercy for other people that do not know God or have left or walked away from God. One of our big targets, our big market, our big goal is we're going to be a church that focuses on reaching out to people through kindness. We have this terrific blanket ministry that we've been working on that we've been talking about the last couple of days, last couple of weeks, and they make blankets and they give it out to people. If they've lost a loved one, if they're sad, if they're hurt, if they're in pain, if they're sick, it's a blanket. And you say, what does a blanket do? A blanket gives some kind of warmth, some kind of compassion, some kind of comfort, and it's through that ministry lives are changed. We have people in this church that donate all kinds of desserts when all kinds of things happen, when loved ones have passed away. It's in these acts of kindness that we remind them that we still care, that we're still committed to you, that we still love you. It's in these acts of kindness that draw people back to Christ. And we're going to be a church that is very, very, very intentional on being missional and reaching and changing people's lives through kindness. If you're not a kind person, we're going to love the hell out of you. Get the cuss for free on that one. <laughs> I'm proud of myself. Um, <laughs> we're going to love the wickedness out of you. We're going to love and love and love and love and love, and we're going to be kind and we're going to be generous and we're going to be great. We may not have a lot of funds, but we're going to pull things together and we're going to change the lives of people because that's what changes the lives of people, which changes the lives of people. That's what draws people back to Christ. That's what draws people into a relationship with them. It's through our kindness and through our love, and this is going to be a church that experiences and does that kindness, and we're already doing an awesome job. We want to do even more. I want to share with you um, the shut up and put your money where your mouth is statement. You guys ready? Here we go. Um, <clears throat> as a church, there's some numbers on, on the screen, and, and I'll give it to you. You can write it down if you want as well. As a church, our goal is that we, uh, everything that we bring in, we try to put 10% aside, and we try to tie that 10% back into the community, back into something. So as we're saying, listen, as a church, God requires each and every individual to tithe. We're also saying as a church, as an entity, as a body, we believe in tithing as well. So we've been working on getting this 10% every month that we put aside. So after all the income comes in here, we put 10% aside. What the old mission model has been is that we give 30% of that 10% to church planning. 
we give 50% to foreign missions, and out of that 50%, 25% of that goes to one foreign mission, another 25% goes to another foreign mission, and then the last 20% we give to the community here in Ken Island. You guys with me? We're gonna put our money where our mouth is. So we're changing that whole model. That model is changing to this. Every time we have all this income that comes in, we're gonna take that 10% that we're gonna tithe, and we're gonna give 20% to church planning. So we've reduced that by 10%. You'll say why, we'll see it in a second. We're taking foreign missions, and instead of doing 50%, we're doing 40%. 20% is gonna to go to one foreign mission, 20% will go to another foreign missions. That last now gives us a 40% left over, and that's going to go into local giving. 20% of that is going to go specifically to a set uh, issue. Maybe it's drug rehabilitation, maybe it's something else. Every month, they're gonna get something. The other 20%, we as elders are gonna pray and say, what is the need of our church? What is the need of somebody or something? And put that into it every month. It's not gonna be the same person, it's gonna be something different. It'll hop around each month. Do y'all see that? The whole purpose is, we can't say that we love and we're not taking care and loving our own home as well. I can't do marriage counseling every other day and not spend time with my wife and my family, the amen section. I can't talk about being a great father and a great pastor. I can't talk about all this stuff and I'm not willing to invest at home as well. So we're still going to give to church planning. We still want to help churches that are planning and working and struggling with finances. We want to invest in them continually. But we're just going to take a little bit more back. Not for ourselves that we can get brand new shoes or brand new, right, brand new posters and flags. But we're going to take a little bit more money back for us so that we can invest it in our very house, our very own community. So that we can change the lives of our community. We're going to double what we've been giving. Because we want to impact Kent Island in a way that lives are changed. It may not add a single person to this church, but it's affecting somebody in a positive way. That somehow this kindness is cleaning somebody off of drugs. This is helping somebody make a better decision in life. This is helping somebody out financially. This is taking somebody from danger or death or threat or hurt or frustration, and we're planning this investment in them that their lives will be changed for the better. This is we're investing in our community. We're investing in our community. This is gonna be one of the greatest areas of our church is in how we give, not just financially, but in our love and our kindness and the things that draw people back to Christ. And you all will play a part in that. We believe that in this investing, it's gonna change the lives of people. Here's the fourth one and the final one. Our vision and volunteers. Matthew 9, 35 through 38. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Jesus looks around as he's doing all of these miracles. He's providing all these miracles. He's preaching the good news. He's doing all this stuff. And it says his heart is filled with compassion because he sees people that are confused and hopeless. He sees people that are in a lost state. This world is full of lost people. 
Your jobs are full of lost people. Your families are full of lost people. You and I have been lost, and at times we feel lost. And it's the compassion of Christ that brings us back to him. But the only way we experience him is through the workers. And Jesus looks out and he says, man, there's a whole lot of lost people that need Jesus. He says, I don't have a lot of people sharing who Jesus is to reach the lost folks. Don't worry, light bulb's going off. They're getting it. He says, we got tons of people in here that need Jesus, need a relationship, need work, need healing, need cleaning, need somebody to talk to, somebody to pray with. We got all of these people and the laborers are few. We don't have enough people putting in the work. In order for this vision for our church to be successful, we need you. Not just to get healed and get clean and get ready to go and feel all spiffy and great, ready for the week because we had some amazing word on Sunday and some great worship. Yay! Not just because of that. But ultimately, you have to put in the work too. We have all these ministries that need people to put their hands to work. And I'm going to be as real as I can be. You didn't know where the church was headed like six months ago, and so you kind of said, ah, I'll just fall back and see how this plays out. If that was you, that's fine. Well, here's the game plan. So now you know. Get back on board. Get out of your seat. Start to get to work. Oh, I'm not healthy. I'm not healed enough. I, can't, I need more time. Eh, whatever. The only way that you will be the best Christian, you will ever be the best follower of God will be is that you have to put in the work. You have to follow. I use my son for an example. Zeph wanted to play basketball for the last two years. Sixth grade, fifth grade, wanted to play basketball. And every year the school trials would come and he'd say, oh, I just missed it. I forgot about it. He didn't forget about it. He just was scared to do it. He never, he never played basketball before. You've seen him. He's a football player. Only thing is spell basketball. Worst dribbler I've ever seen. Just blue, 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 None of just blobbity, blop, blop. Just nothing. I said, do you want to play basketball last year? He said, yeah, I want to play. I know what time the trials are, but I missed the trials. I said, okay, fine. You missed the trials. I want to take you to basketball. He said, I don't want to go to basketball. Well, you're going to basketball. I don't want to go to basketball. You're going to basketball. And I put him in basketball. Like he literally slid from the baseline to the foul. <laughs> go play basketball. And at the end of the season, he was doing some good stuff. You can sit there and say, I'm, I want to be an amazing Christian. I, I know scriptures. I know this and other. You will never be a full, full, dedicated, devoted Christian until you do. You can't be a basketball player until you play. It's getting, it's getting, Jake is getting tight. Let me talk to my elder. This is me and you talk. I won't look at nobody else. Jake, you can't be successful as anything in life until you actually do it, until you become it, until you're part of it, until you experience it. That's what life is about. It's about doing. You're not going to be an amazing husband. We're not going to be an amazing husband until you start husbanding. <laughs> not even a word. <laughs> Until you start doing it. And you don't get it in title. You get it by, the, you put a ring on, that's not it. Put a ring on, that's not it. You, you got to put a ring on it, and then you got to start doing it. Here, we need volunteers to carry out this mission. 
So if you're wondering where I fit, if you're wondering where do I go, you're wondering what do I do, we got tons of places to plug you in. And we got places you can bounce around till you find your fit. We're going to provide you with stuff where you can find out where you are gifted and talented in. We're working on something right now where you can start and just kind of see where you kind of where you best fit as a person. And we're going to say, listen, this says where you fit in and this kind of meets the stuff you like to do. Let's plug you in there. And somebody's going to say, well, there's nothing in the church that has this thing that I like to do. And I'm going to say, that's great. You're going to go start it. I don't know how to start it. Don't worry about it. We're going to work with you to start it. Because there's no way that God has given you these gifts and these abilities and all you can say is there's nothing there for me to do so I can't do it. That's not true. We got tons of stuff for you to do. If it ain't there, then we'll fix it and work it so that you can be part of doing it. And maybe you don't need to lead it, but you need to be a part of it. And we'll find and we'll work and we'll make sure that you are part of the investment that we have in this church and in this community to change lives. And so if you are a believer and you took your hands off the plow... It's time to put your hands back on and get to work. If you're a believer and you don't know where you fit, then we'll work with you to make sure you find a place to fit. If you're a believer and you just don't know, we'll find a place for you. And if you got too much in life to do anything, then guess what? You have too many things in life that you're not doing the right thing. Whoa. If you're too busy to serve God, and you're too busy to live. <laughs> Ain't never coming back to church. <laughs> Mike, they never coming back. <laughs> you can't be too busy for Jesus. That's impossible. And if you are, then we need to clean up your schedule. And guess what? I am more than available to talk to you on how to simplify life. Rosie has simplified my life this year. She told me, don't coach football again. I said, I'm coaching football. Because Tyler needs me. My 10-year-old needs me. Man, football, kick my tail. Four days a week, two and a half hours. Eight hours on Saturday. Kick my tail. I said, I'm never coaching again. Now with four kids, I'm not. And I came home. And we're wrapping up the football season and center point count. And I said, hey, listen, we're pastor. Come through and blah, blah. And she said, dude, you got too much on your schedule. You will never coach again. And I secretly laughed because I said, you're right. I'd already made that plan. But now you're the bad guy. <laughs> so they called me a few weeks ago. Wade, you coming back to coach? I said, my wife said I can't coach. <laughs> Are you serious? Well, we got a new church. And she said, I can't coach. And I said, you know, I'm not trying to have no problems in the house. And my wife said, I'd already planned out to coach. But she, I get to use her. It's great. But she had already simplified our life about three weeks into the football season. She was waiting for the season to be over. If your life is too busy to serve God on a Sunday, you can't give up two and a half hours of your day on a Sunday, we got some major problems that we need to fix. Yeah. We need volunteers, and we're going to plug volunteers because we need you involved. I go to church, I got 17 kids. Shut up. You got 17 kids. You don't have 17 kids. First of all, no, you don't. She'd be in the Guinness World Book or something with 17 kids. You got four kids. I, you got five kids. I understand. You got three kids. I get it. The last thing you want to do is be around kids one more day at a multiple level. I get that. 
Give one Sunday out your week to go be with kids. Let me let you in on a little secret. Hi, Steve, Shannon. Let me let y'all in the secret. Shannon's eyes watered up at our last elders meeting. When we had a, she's like, yeah, her eyes watered up at our last elders meeting. And I'll tell you why, and I'll let y'all go. I'll tell you why is because I've done elementary school ministry. I've done middle school ministry. I've done high school ministry. I've been a youth pastor. I've done all that. I've moved up in the world, whatever that means. I'm a pastor now. We have nobody, we don't have everybody working with our, with our team, with our middle school ministry. And so where am I every other Sunday? Back in middle school ministry. After I done pastored y'all, I love y'all to death. I've done pastored y'all and counseled y'all and did all that stuff that I do and all the other people I'm counseling. Do y'all think I want to come back up at 7.30 at night and deal with some more kids? No. Absolutely not. I want to see a Ravens game. Or Wesley Broncos game. But yeah, and, and, and so here I am on Sunday night still doing Thrive Ministry. Not because necessarily I want to, but I recognize there's a need, and at the end of the day, I have a joy that we've done it. That's not what I want to do anymore in life. The point is there's a need, and I'm willing to put the work in to do it. What you doing? And my whole point is, Santa's eyes filled up with water because she recognized, I, I, I'm everywhere. I'm doing everything. I have a lot going on. I don't want to do this. But at the same time, I'm more than glad to do it because it's meeting the need of some kids that need to meet Jesus. And if I'm pastoring and counseling and working and everything else, you can't give up two hours? I'm giving up two hours. More. <laughs> Come here. Dog. Oh, to put you in my amen section. And more. Need two hours, two hours a, 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 a Sunday. Just one Sunday out the month, two hours. Get the same four people moving furniture, putting up chairs, tearing chairs. Can't give me an hour, just wake up early, come in once a month. Sit down. Here's your takeaway for the day. They're like, please get them out of here. We exist to bring people back to God is our takeaway. And at this church, we're about to be a church that's going to double down on everything that we're claiming to do. If we're claiming to exist to bring people back to God, then we're going to put in that work to do it. We're going to work very hard to bring people back to God. And if this is your church or you're thinking about making this your church, then you got to figure out if you want to wrap this up as your motto. Don't bring people back to God by just dragging them into the seats. We appreciate that. Drag them in the seats, go leave them that Sunday, and go do some work in the church. Go do some work in the community. Be a part of this church as we work, as we plan, as we look to change lives. This is going to be a place where I believe God is going to change a lot of people's lives in a positive and great way. We need you to be a part of that. We're in this gym today, not because the cafeteria didn't work. Because if you were here with us last Sunday, we had people grabbing chairs off of racks. We believe this right here is kind of one of those Sundays where it's right before New Year's Eve. I expected our crowd to be like this in our turnout. We're going to get to a place where we're uncomfortable and where we are in that cafeteria. And this is going to eventually be our new place. 
So we're vision casting for what's going to come in the next few months. This may be our new place of worship. And then we're going to have to find our own place. Not because we want to have a bragging place if we got our own home and our own building, but because effectively for us to do ministry, it's going to be conducive for us to work in a building that we have our own place. So we're coming from the cafeteria to maybe here in the next few months to wherever else God has us, but we need to start putting in the work so that we can change lives. This right here is preseason. Preseason is where you get your work in, where you get your experience, where you get your reps. We're learning how to change lives for when God moves us into the next season of life, which is either in here or in the next place, we are really operating at a level of perfection. My sleeves are rolled up, not because I wanted to be pretty. I'm that every day. <laughs> My sleeves are rolled up. So I want you to understand we got to go to work. And it doesn't matter if it's cold outside, if it's hot, if it's in a gym, if it's in a cafeteria, if it's in some really huge, fine, fancy building with smoke machines and lights and whatever. Our sleeves are rolled up because we are here to go to work. And this is the season of life where you experience God on your highest level when you let him work in you and you do the work at the same time. Amen? Let's pray. God, it's again by your grace and by your mercy that you are looking at us, that you are evaluating us, that you're seeing who we are and what we are. Father, let what we claim, what we desire, what we hope to be, line up with your truth and your wisdom and your words. Let this be the season where we begin to prepare our hearts and our minds and our spirits to look like you. Father, give us braveness and boldness to serve, to love, to participate. Father, the areas where we are hurting, where we are weak, let us be joined and connected to community. Where, Father, we would experience you again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.